Before we move on, we have a cool product to check out today. It's the Everyday Earbuds by Raycon. Look at these. These are nice. They don't stick out of your ears like other brands. They're great. Raybond comes with a bunch of gel tips so it feels comfortable. They also have a 32-hour battery life, longer than most earbuds I ever used. Music is essential to me to drown out all the music around me and keep me in the zone. I want to focus on being the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Drown everything out. Look, they feel good. They feel secure. And they're affordable, too. Only half the price other premium auto brands. Also comes with a 45-day happiness guarantee. Our listeners at home should check them out. I approve. They can use Raycons to listen to this podcast. And if you want to buy your own pair of Raycons, go to buyraycon.com dash hotboxing to get 15% off your purchase. YouTube viewers can click the link in our description box below. Buy Raycons. Mike told you to. Oh, this is good. This is good. We talking about? Yeah. I don't want to call her a tomato, but. Wow. If my mentor called you a tomato can, that be, that's worse than calling you a nigga. That shit's some bad stuff in boxing. The way I grew up, my trainer, he's from, he born in 1908. There's nothing worse than a tomato can to him. If he calls you a tomato can, he has no respect for you, your life, your mother. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what, the freezer is because the tomato can won't give, it won't, it won't, boom, you can just push it, you can blow it over, it won't resist nothing. It's fucking can useless. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the opportunity to be blessed here with the greatest fighter of her generation. And she's um, getting ready to supersede that and be the greatest fighter in the MMA. And i like to introduce the world's greatest fighter, Miss Clarissa Shields. For those watching, if y'all didn't clap, I'm going to clap. Everybody clap, please. <laughs> You're the boss. So, tell me. I see here you've been, you've been um, boxing since you were 11. You started at 11. What caused you to want to be a boxer? You know what? I really started boxing to take after my dad. My dad had been in prison for a couple years. I, he got out when I was nine years old. And uh, he just was telling me if he would have stuck to what he was passionate about, he would never went to prison. And I was like, well, what were you passionate about? He said boxing. So I really took a boxing so my dad could live some of his life through me. So by doing this, tell me, tell me about the first time you ever got in the ring. The first time I ever sparred, I had been training for two months. It was against one of my close friends, Darion Lawson. I call him my cousin. And uh, he had been boxing for five years compared to my two months. And he uh, just picked on me every day for the first two months of training, saying, like, girls don't need to be in the gym. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. I'm going to beat you up when we spar. And uh, when we sparred, my first time sparring, I got hit in the nose and my eyes got watery. And then that's when I found out that I was a true savage because I kicked Darion's ass. <laughs> Poor Darion is watching this interview. You got your Love ass you, D. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to fight in the Olympics. I lost in the trials. But um, I was an uh, alternate, so I went to Los Angeles to watch the Olympics. And so I went around, and then I met Sugar Ray Robinson. I met some old fighter. I met him, right? I met him. I was like a real groupie. He said, you got to be in shape. You got to make sure you're running. Things. I ran 10 miles that day. Okay. Just because he told me I had to be in shape. He, these guys had a big influence on me. And and I'm telling, and that's why I want to know who had to put a big influence on you. Besides your fight, you had to see a fight and say, hey, I want to be like that. You know what? 
It was Muhammad Ali. Really? That's the fighter who I saw, and I said, I want to be like him. And not just him inside the ring, but like him all around. Like, so I want to be as confident as him. I want to so, be as... So pretty much you want to be an activist? Yeah. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, um, when I was, he's the most confident fighter that ever lived. Mm-hmm. You know, I studied him a lot. And um, most of his fighting, as he got a little older, was all um, psychology. You know, Ali would box with the party. You would never think, you know, why they hate him for Ali would be in the clinch talking about their mother screwing their mother, their sister. I caught your sister around the truck and I did this. And Ali is the most disgusting person when he's in the ring fighting. He's, man, he's saying things so bad. The referee said, I just can't even tell you what he was saying. I never thought he would do that. He was like that guy, but he's in there talking about screwing this person in your family and this and that. And Joe Frazier said, what kind of man is like that? Who does that? You know, and that's just who he was. He was a psychology. He fought psychology. You know, he, uh, he got to a certain age where he wasn't as fast as he was, and so he used a lot of psychology. I think that boxing had a lot to do with alter egos because we're not who we are inside the ring, outside the ring. You can fight without an ego. You know that I mean? part. You can fight. This is an interesting thing that um, you can learn right now. We need the ego to fight. We need the ego to succeed. We need the ego because the ego is just protecting us. It believes. But um, what happens, um, you know, when the ego is out of control? We all go through that part when the ego is out of control and we think we're more than what we are. The ego is only an illusion that controls us in some states. It's an illusion. It doesn't exist. But we make it exist. And from making that ego exist, we accomplish really great things. But it's only an illusion. Isn't that odd? Something that doesn't have no existence can make something real? Well, ain't that what faith is, though? Faith is different. Faith is different. Like, faith is like believing that something is possible without actually seeing that it's possible. Because that's, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I'm more faith-based. And it's like, if you're going to read Jeremiah 29, 11, it's saying, I grew up poor and I didn't really have nothing. So this this uh, Bible scripture here kept me kept my ego and kept and kept my hope alive growing up and say, for I God know the plans I have for you, plans to give you, um, plans to give you a better future and prosper. And so even though I was going through a lot, I was hungry, I didn't have clothes, I didn't have shoes, I didn't have a bed. It was like, for I God know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a better future and plans for you to prosper. So that's where my faith came from and where I was like, God got something planned for me. I just have to stay accord. And and how I made it was through boxing. You know, I love and I admire religion, but when you look at that Bible, you look at that Quran, you look at Geta Begita, you look at these books, and I say, even if they got a million pages, can that define God? No. Okay, I, I just because I get confused sometimes, and that's why um, I just know um, religion is just beautiful, and God is beautiful, and everything God made here is beautiful. The murderers fighting, everything is from love. Everything we do here is from love. I know it doesn't even sound. Even fighting is love. Yeah, it is. Everything is love. Knowing that you... I'm talking about real fighting to the death. Knowing that you got my back, I got your back, I got your back. And that's love. It's all love. Dying is love. You reach your highest purpose in life when you, you no longer exist. Then you meet God. And all that is fighting, too. I was trying to talk to my daughter that my trainer told me something. And it, it haunted me. He said, uh, Mike, I want to tell you something. You got to be careful how you fight your fights. Because by the way you fight your fights will be the way you live your life. You don't know what that means? 
all your mistakes, everything you get to make you successful and to make you fail in boxing will do the same to you in life. That's deep. It's just, it gives you everything. Our ego gives us everything, but it takes too much in return. Well, I always say I like to keep my boxing personality and keep who I really am. Like, have them right in the middle so I don't have to change to be, I don't have to change too much to be a certain type. Like, I'm not going to make myself be acceptable for people to like me. It's like, I am who I am. And each time you ask me something, if it's tomorrow, the next week, I got the same answer. It's hard pretending to be somebody who you're not. But this is what you don't understand. This is what you don't understand. You already changed yourself. Mm. You know how you change yourself? By changing the world. You changed the world. You don't think you did? I definitely did change the world, and I'm still doing that right now. You, know, you could always change. You're changing constantly. You're changing so fast you can't even see the change. Yeah. Everything that happened to you is, is supposed to happen to you. And that's what I say. That's what why I always look forward. Fight? Can I see some of my fights? What was your toughest fight? <sighs> toughest fight. <laughs> I would have to say my pro debut. Against the debut? Who you fought? French on Cruz. She is the super middleweight unified champion right now at 168. Yeah. Uh, we fought a few times in the amateurs. Um, we fought four times and I beat her every time in the amateurs. We fought my pro debut. And uh, she was just... She's always been stronger than me. You know, I kind of came up, I was 16 and 17 coming up fighting against women. That was 23, 24 to make the Olympic team. And she had that women's strength at the time. At the time, yeah. I yeah, know. at the time. Like, I got the women's strength now. But at the time, uh, she had it. So when we met after I won my second Olympics, Franchine wasn't strong as me, but she kind of had some idea of how I fought. And she had like a she's no a good back fighter. down I energy. Her. She with that. I remember her short. She's a good fighter. Yeah, she's a no back down type of fighter. Um, mm. And she really wanted to beat me. Her mom was watching. And her mom passed a week after this. So this was the last fight that her mom was able to watch her fight. Mm. And uh, she just really put everything on the table. And I put mm. everything she's on the table. She's fighting back too. Yeah, and I came out with Oh, she's coming but, too, yeah. And she's a strong big girl. She's a stronger big girl. She's not like, afraid either. Not afraid, not strong, skilled. She's waiting to get close to you to clock you. Understand the assignment. Yeah, she's strong. Ooh. That's what I'm saying. Like, this was a four-round war in Las Vegas um, on Andre Ward Kovalov. Yes. Undercard. That's when he knocked them out? That was the first fight. And we were the first women to actually fight at the T-Mobile Arena, uh, actually, Ooh. me and Franchon Cruz. And uh, this fight here was just, it was a war. And I was able to come out on top with a unanimous decision, but... I really had to dig deep. I, I love the way you keep your hands up when you're punching. I got to protect my face. Yeah, a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. A lot of people just don't, I don't care how, how many fights, 100, 300 amateur fights, they don't put their hands up, you know? Well, I grew up in a gym boxing against guys growing up, Mike. So the guys used to try, to, to, try to hurt me. Yeah, so I have to learn, is. like, that's what defense, it is. offense, got to be smarter instead of being stronger. That's the kind of gym that I grew up in. See, I didn't work smart when I was... um fighting, we work hard, we break our knees, we break the bone in our body, just in training. Because we want to outwork everybody. And we learned and later in life that it's about working smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. I learned that till I was about 20, though. Yeah, you learned that because you <laughs> want to show the world, this is what I got. But save a little for them. You know, don't give it yeah. all to them. Take it easy, slow, smart. All the time I fought, I was always in the hospital, hurt my leg, hurt my hands, fooling around, playing in the streets, uh, getting street fights, got gashes. I heard myself dancing at the club, something that had nothing related to boxing. When I was dancing and knocked somebody out at the club, I asked it. 
<laughs> Dance and knock the motherfucker out. Oh, shit. Come on, I want to see some of your championship fights. Tell me about your championship fight. I've had 12 championship, uh, well, 10 championship fights, which is which is a really a good it's one. It's this one girl that I thought you fight. What's her name? She's a good-looking girl. Christina, I mean, Christina Hammer. Um, that could be her, like a mulatto chick. You talking about Hannah Gabriels. Yeah, and she just thinks she's a tough ass. Yeah. Yeah. I whooped her ass. And she thinks she's a badass. Yeah. And this is me and Christina Hammer. This was for the Undisputed Championship oh, at shit. 160. I took Christina Hammer for a wild ride, I'll tell you that. And that was probably the easiest fight of my career. And she talked the most stuff, had the best accomplishments. 24 and 0, 11 knockouts. And I was 8 and 0 when we fought. Well, this is a girl from Scotland. I'm in Ireland or Sweden or somewhere. Germany. Germany. I know she's one of She's a good fighter, though. That's how you decipher who's good and who's great. <laughs> but this was a, actually a, supposed to be my toughest fight in the pros, mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't. See, everybody thinks they know what's right. There's no, you know, listen, those guys, those critics, those guys that are picking fights, when human beings are involved, everything, anything can happen. Well, I be telling certain fighters, like, it's the media's job to make one fighter be the monster and make the other fighter be kind of, oh, that, oh, he's not good enough or she's not well, good enough to be inside the ring. It's, it's their job to paint the person to be a monster. So Christina Hammer was the German monster who was supposed to come and destroy the unexperienced uh, girl from Flint with the two Olympic gold medals. She was supposed to come beat me up. You need to be ripping was. that right hand to her body instead of her head. Rip it right around here. You know, I got to get more better at not headhunting because my right hand is so fast. Don't listen. No, if, you're more a hard body. Punch, if you're a hard puncher, right? even the guys that are not hard punchers, they hurt you to the body even though they can't hurt hit you in the head and hurt you because you got structure, but they can hurt you to the body. Constantly punch to the body. Mm-hmm. The body is all about the body. You know, the headshots are spectacular, but um, the body take it out of them, take it out of the best of them. You find out what they're made out of. If anybody could get hit with one punch, a lucky punch, boom, and get knocked out. When you're getting body punches, you decide not to get up. You're conscious mm-hmm. and you make that decision, I'm not getting up. Yeah, because cause you broke it mentally. You broke them down. Yeah, that's beautiful. Forget them head knocks. I like to break them down. They know they never have a chance in their life to beat me. Well, that's the thing about women's boxing, though. We only got two minutes to get the job done. Two minutes is a lot. Try holding your breath for two minutes. <laughs> two minutes no, no. Try talking for two minutes straight. The men have three minutes. It's no, if you could do two. two minutes, you could do three minutes. That's the you thing. Get, I feel like I need out, more you time. You can get knocked out in 10 seconds. And when they, they do it for two rounds, know why? For, because there's more excitement. Three rounds might make them slug it out, but the two rounds, you got to put on a lot of work in a small increment of time. And that's why it's exciting. Yeah, it makes you work harder and faster. You don't have much time with three minutes. Mm-hmm. You can coast for a minute. Right here, you can't do much coasting for two minutes. No, because cause you want to get the round yeah. in. You want to win the round. You can't do much coasting. Oh, you just decided to just beat it down, huh? Come in, punch. Pretty mean in there. It's mean is good. Stay smart. Stay smart. Mean people get knocked out, too, if they don't move their head. That's why when I'm in the fight, I don't, I don't, I'm not mean, I'm not sad, I'm not happy, I'm nothing, I'm just objective. Neutral. Yeah, pretty neutral, but with a, with a mission. Mm-hmm. Once they get you mad, they own you. Yeah, I don't ever fight mad. No. Oh, that hurt. They don't know how much that hurt right here by the ear. Right here, that hurts so much. It do. Oh, man. You know, boom, that's that blind, you sort of black out. The thing about Christina Hammer, she was actually, uh, 
Well, once she was left-handed and she fights with her left hand mm-hmm. in front. So her left hand was actually, her jab was hard as hell, one. Mm-hmm. But I had figured that out already from watching a lot of her fights. She didn't think I knew. But then again, like, I think she she was a pretty good mm. base fighter, but she had no upper body movement as far as in, you know, head movement. Most of the Europeans don't. They're straight up fighters. Yeah, and she's kind of more of moving on her feet than moving her upper body, which I knew was going to be in close. I was going to close the distance. some on. body shots right there that really she felt. Always come back with that right. Boom, left hook. Yeah, right back. Like that. But boom, always come back. Not one punch. She could count one punch. Counter one punch. Two punches. Mm-hmm. Christina Herman was a professional holder also. She held me a lot yeah, throughout this fight. Look at her shoulders, her bigger shoulders though. How much did she weigh? Uh, this fight was at 160. I think we probably both, after we rehydrated, probably yeah. weighed. Now, I was 165. I think she was she 168. Almost, yeah. She looks big. She's smart. She's trying to hit you with some body punches because your body punches hurt her. You're keeping her thinking, you know? You're keeping her thinking. So tell me, what's the goal? Who you, is, it out, is it somebody out there you have a big money fight you can fight? Yeah, so I have a fight October 27th, MMA, for the PFL. Uh-huh. Um, and then I fight boxing to defend my titles at 160 in the UK. Uh-huh. But after I fight in the UK in December, we're hoping to get um, Savannah Marshall. She's the only person to ever beat me in the amateurs. I was 77-1 and one in the amateurs. Savannah Marshall had um, got a very close decision, and I want to fight her and beat her. But that's the only... Um, big fight that I have, or like, or like, if me and Franchine wants to do another a rematch in the in the pro, but 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 right now Savannah Marshall is who I'm looking forward to fighting next year. Okay, do we have her in there? Can we see where she fights? Are you fought her already? No, I haven't fought her as a pro. Let's see what this chick looks like. Yeah, so they're building Savannah Marshall up to be this big old knockout artist. She knocks everybody out. She's ten and zero with like Where's eight knockouts. From? The UK. Yeah, but all her opponents have losing records. Who she fight against and et cetera, et cetera. That's who the next victim is. Right? Yeah, that's who the next victim is. When I used to fight, say, hey, this is your food right here, champ. Right here, fight. Hey, <laughs> champ, <laughs> it's your food right here. The girl she's fighting right now is off for oh, a week. Oh, this is good. This is good. We talking about? Yeah. She's off of a week notice. Her opponent uh, has been only been her opponent for a week. She's showing up to fight her like 15 and 8 uh, or something like that is her record. <laughs> she got the little cool moves and shit, right? Uh, when she feels your jab, she's going to be like, fuck. She don't have her hands up now, but she'll have them up then. That's what I'm saying. Like, the girl she's fighting is just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to call her a tomato, but. Wow. If my mentor called you a tomato can, that would be, that's worse than calling you a nigga. That shit's some bad stuff in boxing. Tomato cans. If somebody, listen. The way I grew up, my trainer, he's from, he born in 1908. There's nothing worse than a tomato can to him. If he calls you a tomato can, he has no respect for you, your life, your mother. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what, the reason is because the tomato can won't give, it won't, it won't, boom, you can just push it, you can blow it over, it won't resist nothing. It's fucking can, useless. Mike, you see anything? That you um no, this is think a, I should be worried about? This is a fucking amateur, but you know, she's the top rank amateur though. She ain't no bum amateur. She's the top amateur. I would I, I shouldn't be talking like this. I should I, would, I should be objective. Well, she I got would some say good that moves. uh she got good moves. No, she got that good moves, she got the slick amateur role. I would say that when we she fought punched, when I was seventeen, uh, we were getting ready to go to the Olympics and London was hosting the Olympics. Uh, so that gave her more of a favor. 
I'm not mad about the loss because I won the Olympics two times and she was there. Ooh. She didn't medal. <laughs> yeah. She's like no, but I noticed something about her. She's relaxed. She's a relaxed fighter. Everybody can be relaxed against bums. Oh, that's good too. She has to look like she should be a no. She could be a sparring partner. That would be cool. About to be over real soon. Yeah, this is gonna be really. Oh, this is gonna be really interesting fight. What do you think about Canelo and this guy Cap? Caleb. Caleb. Caleb Plant. Um, Caleb Plant be talking shit. You know what? I think that um Caleb possessed the skills to beat Canelo. I just don't know if Caleb can withstand the, the punches. Yeah, he's from gonna Canelo. Some shit. Cause I think in order to beat Canelo, you gotta be able to outbox him, you gotta be able to hurt him, you gotta be able to make him respect if you, you. If you can't hurt him, it's you're over. Dead. Yeah, it's you're over. Dead, he he's gonna walk him. right through you. Yeah, you so I think he possessed him, the skills, fuck. but I don't know. He possessed the power to hurt him or he's to withstand his power. I know power. he's going to use those skills. He's going to yeah. miss some punches. He's going to feel the fucking win of those punches that he missed. He's going to say, fuck, I'm going to get out of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get out of this shit. So tell us more. You in love? Yeah, right now. Yes. Oh, fuck. How yeah. was that like? You know what? I've only been in love twice. And I say the second time is much better than the first time. And um, my boyfriend, Tony, is very... He's a different kind of man that I've ever been with. Like Tell me about that. He's uh I'm He's romantic? No. No, okay. No, he's that's not. not. That's not your kind of guy, the romantic guy. <laughs> no, I like a, a romantic guy, but he's just uh I feel like I can be nicer with him. Like I can be protected by him and I've always felt like guys that I was with uh, I always had to do like the protecting of myself, the providing for myself. And I feel like he protects me. He can provide for me. And um, he can also handle me also. Like he's not softer than me. So when I like, if I tell him to shut up or something, he'd be like, no, you shut the fuck up. I, 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 can't, um, so. I, can't, I can't control my wife. My wife won't obey me like that. I won't even try to make her. She's just not made like that. He understands that I'm a fighter, but... I love fighting. I don't. I love boxing or MMA, but I don't like to uh, domestic fight. Domestic fighting. Yeah, like fight outside the yeah, ring or argue fight. and stuff like that. I don't even like play fighting. Like people play hitting me because I have. I think I have an anger problem or something. I like to argue. Argue is stimulating. I love to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very stimulating. Especially if we're arguing about an issue or a subject. Yeah, it's pretty good. Debating somewhat. Debating, sure. But the arguing part is like... That's what they call debating. It's arguing, but it's, they call it debating. I just give him the win. I don't I don't like arguing sometimes. I'm like, you know what? You got it. It's cool. I said what I had to say. I hope we can get past this. <laughs> and we do. And always love is love. Yeah. So this is your second time in love, huh? Uh-huh. Fuck. I remember my first or second time. What a fucking smuck. <laughs> smuck I was. Our sponsor for this episode's Element Drink Mix. It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix with um everything you need. No sugar, nothing artificial, no bullshit. I am an athlete, so I depend on my electrolytes. I train hard, so I lose a lot of sodium. Up to seven grams a day. If you don't get that back, I get really, really tired. Even if you don't train hard like me, everyone still needs electrolytes. You can really get a headache too, or a muscle cramp. And if you don't um, hydrate properly, oh man, anyone can try to try this risk-free and money-back guarantee, no questions asked. It's already used by many regulars like NBA, NHL, 
NFL, FBI, snipers, Navy SEALs, Marines, use Element. Element's some tough shit. Anyone who wants to be a badass, all you have to do is go to drinkelement.com slash hotboxing for a free sample pack now. Oh, shit. So you still sparring and training right now? Yes. Um, I'm actually right around the corner from here, so I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. I'm training at Jackson Wings Gym. I train alongside uh, alongside Holly Holm. Uh, Do you train with Holly? You ever box sparred with her yet? Yeah. Wow. Sparring yeah. with the best, yeah. Yeah, I spar with uh, Holly Holmes, uh, Arlene Blanco. She fights for the... Fights for Bellator uh, and Johnny Bones. We do like one on one sessions to where he yeah. like shows me some stuff. And he's a I really great fighter. I really wish you the best. He's the greatest. I really wish you the best, man. I see how you're really um, you're really um driven to do this. Yeah, I believe that um, I can do anything I put my, put my, put my mind to. And now that I'm 26, I want to retire at 34, 35. And I'm hoping that boxing and MMA can make me be a millionaire, a household name. And I can kind of step in Serena Williams' footsteps as far as in like the branding and stuff. So it's it's coming. That's pretty awesome. You know, you have to have big goals for yourself to stay um, determined. And I used that shit. I just was goal oriented my whole life. It's always wanted to accomplish something. Always ego driven. Had low self esteem, so I was always ego driven. You wouldn't think you had low self-esteem, though, because you gave off that confidence like you always wanted to heal somebody. But question for you. Did you really cry before all your fights? Some of them. Why? That's who I am. But I'm saying, like, why did you cry? Like, did you cry because you was, like, so angry trying to compose yourself? Or was you crying because you was, like, scared? or A little bit of both. That I'm, I'm, I'm pretty scared. And by being scared, I'm really doing something bad to this guy that his family's not going to like. And I'm going to be really guilty. I'm going to feel really bad at the end. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's how I fight. I only cried before one fight. But it's good. It's, it's, um, crying is the most... Man, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. I don't even know what to call crying. It's so relieving. Yeah, I'm about to say it's a huge relief. So even though I hate crying. it, but sometimes it's needed. We all have a different perspective of crying. Yeah. So tell me, man, this is... um. How many millions of people we got? 89 million, 100. Listen, explain to them. I already know you're the greatest fighter of your era, but explain this to these people. Tell them who you are and how they get in contact with you. I am Clarissa the GWOAT Shields. GWOAT is G-W-O-A-T because Muhammad Ali will always be the GOAT, G-O-A-T, so greatest woman of all time. I'm from Flint, Michigan. I'm a 12-time world champion in boxing. 1-0, one, one TKO in MMA with the PFL. I fight again October 27th on ESPN. I fight December on Sky Sports. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Clarissa Shields, all with the blue check mark. You're pretty humble. Mm, I, you know what? When it like comes to being humble, I always tell people that I'm humble to God, not to men. So I feel like people feel like I can't speak on how great I am. And they say that that makes me cocky and not humble. But it's like, no, God made me great. And I'm humble to God to know that everything came from him. But I am the greatest woman fighter to ever walk this earth, period. Like, it'll I, I never be another the, me. I love the attitude. I love the attitude. That's really beautiful. 
Tell, it's, I got the muscle to back it up. You know what I'm saying? But you got to put God in this, too. You got to be divine about this shit. What are you talking about? You got to look at yourself. I'm the greatest fighter God ever produced. You got to, you know, when you, when you really believe you're the best in everything, that means you're beautiful. And you're beautiful, that means that comes from God. So yeah. you have to explain to them that you're down with God and God is down with you because this is what he bestowed upon you. Yeah, hobby favorite. I don't know. I just know. I know God cares, but I just know that he made me this way to say what I have to say. But it's just it's all him. This is all love. All this stuff is love. Yeah, We're I think I love fighting reason. too yeah. much. And I feel like that's what God put inside me. Like to be a boxer and be an MMA fighter. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, I think I'm kind of crazy. But then again, it's like, no, you just really love fighting. And that's what God wants you to do. But like to deliver a message that anybody from anywhere can make it. Because I'm from Flint. I went through a lot of things growing up. And now I'm sitting here with Mike Tyson, and he knows I'm the greatest one of all time. Yes, I do. And yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> and uh, just the fact that I that I come from like humble beginnings, and that I really came from nothing, and now I'm something. And I think it wouldn't be possible without, you know, God knowing that this was it for me. But He wants me to tell people who come from those areas that we can still make a way for ourselves. Oh, no doubt about it. When you say um. You're nothing. You never come from nothing. You know, all of that was preparing you for this. All that adversity prepared you for this, I guess, this big school we live in. Mm-hmm. This all this world is some big school. We don't even know why we're here. We don't know why we're here till we're leaving. Yeah. Or maybe. We don't know anything until yeah. we leave, probably. Yeah. You know, man, we might imagine we never figure this out. Even when we die, imagine this is just, we don't figure this out. Our brain is not sophisticated enough. God didn't make us sophisticated enough to understand this. Do you understand it? If you didn't know what you knew now, would you know who you be? Like, if you didn't know anything that you know now, if you didn't know how to read, you're writing in nobody's name, could you tell somebody who you are? I can't tell somebody who I am. I think I know shit, but I don't really know who am I. Some fucking creature. I express how I uh, express who I, how I feel, maybe, but... If all I didn't know all that stuff, no, it'd be hard to express who I am. Yeah, if I didn't know that. When I think about myself in that perspective, I'm just a compound of needs and necessities that are never going to get fulfilled. You know, and um, that's why I'm, I feel like I'm just a big hole that really never gets fulfilled. Mm. With my greed and all my, you know, my ego get involved. I want to suck the world in my gluttonous and stuff. And then I have my wife and my kids and they bring me back to reality. Yeah, it's about having somebody to bring you back. Yeah, it's good that you have your wife and your kids. If I them. didn't, I would be an animal. And without them, I'm nothing. Nothing. I mean, it's shit. I'm so very glad that I have them in my life. You plan on having kids, ever? Yeah, I plan on having my first child at 29. So 29. three more years. That's your plan, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. Hopefully I'm me. Hopefully I'm married before then. But if not, that's still the plan because I want to have a kid, bounce back, fight three, four more years, and then retire. What kind of mom you think you're being? You know what? I think I'm gonna be the mom to be like, do not fuck with my kid. That's the kind of mom I'm gonna be. Like my kid's gonna be everywhere with me. Like you know how Beyonce had Blue Ivy in the club. My baby gonna be right there next to me. Like we're here. If my baby, my if my my baby can't come, I'm not coming. It's like my baby's going to be with me all the time. I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-mm-mm. I'm traveling. My kid going to be with me. That's kind of mom I see myself being. Yeah, you know what's going to happen? 
What? You will be you're hanging out. People gonna take your pictures like they do when they see you out. And just like my kids, after my kids go say, "Oh, I'm," the, oh, they don't want that shit. Our kids don't want that shit. All these niggas in their face with cameras and right there. Oh, okay. They don't want. I thought my kids would want. I thought they would say, "Hey, look at dad walking down the street. And everybody can't stop touching them and taking pictures." They, they, whoa, that they get that um, that stops our relationship from growing. Well, that's how my family members are. They don't really like that when we go out places and people are like that toward me. My family members who are actually grown people and they understand yeah. that I'm a celebrity, like they still feel like our time together is our time together. Yeah, this is what you do and what we that's not normal shit. Yeah, it's not no, normal. No, really, I think you think if this is not normal shit, the shit that we do, these are the these are the games for the insane. I know you don't like to look at it, but this is all for some you know, we're not crazy because of who we are. We're crazy because what we have to endure and deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not crazy in this world, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> no, really, I do. I really do. I really do. And everybody understands. Yeah. You, know, you, don't got, you know what I mean. If you're not, you ain't going to be able to handle the, the, the pressure if you're not crazy. So I agree. Big school out here. No, I agree. Testing us. Testing our endurance for life. Yeah, you know, I try to live my life to my own standards, though. They all have, like, this whole thing of who you should be, how you should be. And I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not here to live by nobody else's standards. I'm going to do what makes me happy and just— I mean, I suck living life. I really suck. I'm not good at that at all. What you mean? It's living life by the rules of life. And sometimes, I like you to do whatever I want to do, regardless of whoever, yeah, how they look at it. I can respect that. I can respect that. Everyone wants that. Everyone have the courage to grasp for that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's me all day. Cause people always say, "Oh, women shouldn't talk trash. Oh, women don't do this. Women don't do that." And it's like, how do you know what a woman do? You're not a woman. You don't you you don't know who I am on the inside. I'm not like every other woman that you. Like, I don't have to be exactly like them. I'm who I am, and people love it. Some people hate it, but at the end of the day, they've been women millions of years I love ago. It. Yeah, they found one four million years old. Her name is Lucy. Oh, you know, and um. And who's her mother? Who's her grandmother? Who's her 10th grandmother? What is time? Time is invisible. We don't even see it, huh? Yeah, time keeps going no matter what. Yeah. But do you ever think this? Was that up to you? Like my parents or like? Yeah, your whole bloodline. You ever think, what was that? What led up to me? You know what? I do want to know where I'm from. That's the thing mm. that sometimes bothers me the most about being here in mm. America is like, I want to know where was the tribe that I came from before we got taken over here. Because I feel like that has a lot to do with who I am now. As far as in like my attitude towards fighting and just my internal spirit, I think that that has a lot to do with where I, where my original family came from before I we were here. I think that too sometimes. I say to myself, who put these thoughts in my mind? Why do I think like this? Oh, it has to come down from my bloodline. It has been passed through somebody. Yeah, I think. Why do I think like this? I don't like thinking like this, but it's, it is what it is. I think somebody over there in Africa, like my great-grandparent was like a she-warrior or something because what I have inside of me is just, is just different. And I haven't met another woman like me yet. It might not meet another man like you. <laughs> I tell you it all the time. Like, I'm, I'm hard on a lot of guys, but I just like, you know, I just think... Uh, I just I just accept accept who I am, but I I'm learning myself too, and I know that it's just certain surroundings that I have to be surrounded with because if you put me in like an environment where it's like where they consider the roughest and the toughest, I'm still gonna come out on top. 
I hear that. And I feel like I need to be surrounded by people who not going to make me have to be the roughest or the toughest, and I can just do boxing and stuff without having to worry about jail and all that stuff because it's like I I will always figure out a way to like win and I want to just win around successful people and not like win at the level of you know street fighting or you know having to do stuff that's you know we 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 um we reach different levels of love in life and one of the levels of compassion forgiveness self-forgiveness mm-hmm. yeah self-suffering you know and once we learn, once we learn these um, levels of life, we be more secure with ourselves. Most yeah. of us are people that most most successful people are, have low, low self worth of themselves, but they they have most success. And I never say how how does that work? Or the guy with the lowest self esteem is the most successful person. All the money were run studios, but they don't think well about themselves. Can do anything. And I always wondered. Why do people think that way? They think that uh, shit, ra- shit is um, wrapped around them, and but they do great things. They have self-esteem. I, I think that that just comes from like some people upbringing. I think that self-esteem has to be kind of built into you. I know my first boxing coach was the first person to tell me that you're the greatest woman of all time. You're the mm-hmm. greatest fighter. That was my boxing coach at the age of 13. He told me that. So I didn't. I didn't believe it until I was 17 that I was the greatest woman fighter of all time. So from the age of 11 till, like I said, 17, he was always telling me, like, you the best. Can't nobody beat you. You know, even after I lost my mm-hmm. lost my only fight, he was always telling me, you the greatest woman fighter of all time. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And I just was like, oh, no. I got to beat the best first. So, yeah. You know, I got to fight against the best. But they could see that before we could. <clears throat> they see your potential. They experience. They yeah. seen it before. They could see it before we did. Yeah, in my box, in my first box. And sometimes coach, I wanted knew. to quit. You know, I wasn't winning the way I was in the amateur. I wanted to quit sometimes, but I didn't. How many times did you lose in the amateurs? Quite a few. I've been knocked out. I've been beat. I wasn't a good amateur fighter. Just soon as I turned pro, shit just started being different. That's <laughs> 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 fuck. Shit started being different. That's dope. Yeah, I only lost one time. And I was sparring the guys at the gym, but but that one loss really did haunt me for a couple years though. I have this documentary on Netflix. It's called T-Rex. And um, every time I watched it, when I lost, I would just start boohooing, crying. And I did that for like four years. I already had won the Olympics, and I still cried every time I seen it. And then after I won my second Olympics in 2016, now I can watch it, and I don't cry no more. I'm like, you know what? The loss, you know. But it just it hurt me so bad, and it made me just want to— I never realized how much winning meant to me until I lost. When I lost, that's when I knew, like, you know what? I'm going to train so much harder because I never want to feel that again. I always tell my daughter that. I said, listen, you know and you know. You don't have to tell me, but just think about what is it that you can do? You person, what is it personally you can do to make you a better tennis player? Now, you don't got to tell me, but just think, be honest with yourself. Look at yourself. What is it that you can do to make yourself a better tennis player? And now that's on you. You don't have to tell me. Yep. That's on you. And you know what? That sounds similar to what me and my boxing coach talked about when I lost my first fight. He asked me, he said, I thought you won the fight because he watched it over and over again. He said, you won. I don't know how you lost. I said, well, I lost. You know, he said, but what do you feel like you could have done better? And at the time, I was so frustrated. I said, I done, I did everything I could. That's what I verbally said to him. But inside of me, you knew you I was like, did more. I was like, you know what? My damn legs felt like they was tired. My dang arms felt kind of tired. 
you know, even though I was landing the punches, I felt like I couldn't get her from holding me. And when I and when I had that conversation with myself, you're like, okay, so your legs got tired, we're gonna run more miles. Oh, you feel like your arms got tired, we're gonna punch the bag yeah. more. And that was something I spoke, I said within myself. So the next three months leading up to the Olympics, um, when I lost when I was 17, I had three months till the Olympics, it just was like I was training overtime, you know, two miles turned into six. And then, uh, you know, one mile turned into four and six on the back turned into 10. And I was just training so hard, so hard, so hard. And when I got there to the Olympics, I was like, my legs not going to hurt. My arms not going to hurt. I'm in great shape. I don't have no excuses. So if I lose in the Olympics, I'm like, I can walk away knowing that I gave everything I had in order to win. I did everything I was supposed to do before I got here. And so when I got there, people was doubting me, but I just was like, I'm about to show everybody how I how I get down. That's right. It's all a mental game. It's all, all a mental, mental game. Your body's only purpose is just to carry your brain. Really? That's the only purpose. It looks like it has a lot more than that to do, <laughs> but that's the only purpose. No, that's the brain true. gives it the order to move. And it doesn't do anything. We just hold your brain. Yeah. So I'm sorry this is going too long. We have an awesome love fest going on here about boxing. But listen, About boxing and about life. I yeah. love Mike Tyson. So y'all Thank know. you very much. And the same here. I love you as well. And we got to say bye. This is Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, the greatest woman fighter of her generation, Sarissa Shields. It's beautiful having you here. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate oh, this you. This is beautiful. Ta-ta. Thank <laughs> you.